Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is April the 26th, 2019. And as always, it's a pleasure and privilege to join you. Uh, I did a show earlier this week because I wasn't here last Friday, so we've been shifting around. But yes, I'm back again in my usual slot of 7 p.m. East Coast time Friday night. Uh, And we are here, as always, to play that game of catch-up. Um, to take a hard look at the lunacy, the madness, uh, the craziness of the immigration issue and how it impacts so many Americans, our country, um, profoundly, profoundly um, uh, impacts so many issues across a broad spectrum. Uh, And um, those of you who are familiar with me know that I'm a retired senior special agent of what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, an agency that was sliced, diced, mutilated, um, and hammered uh, to create what I came to call the Department of Homeland Surrender by the administration of George W. Bush. Uh, Immigration is not a left-right issue. Both political parties, both political parties have the, the blame for the creation of the nightmare crisis that has been created for America and Americans And we really need to be honest about this. Uh, I had the distinct privilege of speaking before a group of fellow Americans in Lehigh, Pennsylvania, yesterday evening. And um, wherever I go around America, we really need to emphasize what makes us similar, not what makes us different. This divisive balkanization of America by these pollsters and pundits and big mouths, the Latino voter, the black voter, the Jewish voter, the Democrats, the Republicans, folks, as Americans, as Americans, we share so many common concerns and values and dreams. And most of our politicians could care less about our concerns or our dreams or, or frankly, even our well-being or our very lives. They don't care about the well-being of our children. Now, I hate using generalities and say they. But I can tell you that it's enough of them that we've gotten into this disastrous, dangerous situation that we now face. It's not one or two, and it's not one party or the other. If you really want to look for collusion, look for the collusion of the globalists who are within the leadership of both major political parties. Um, Those of you familiar with me know that I have my own personal website. It's the Michael Cutler. I'm sorry, it's... uh, Pardon me. It's michaelcutler.net. I write for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com. I have written for The Social Contract. Uh, I have a bunch of articles up there, one of which became the basis for their quarterly journal uh, last quarter. And it was, I called it Sanctuary Country Immigration Failures by Design, because that's exactly how we got to this point. The immigration system is not broken. Let me be crystal clear. And I made this point when I was over at I-24 News for two programs this past week. I-24 News is an international news program 
based in Tel Aviv in Israel. And I will tell you this without any equivocation, the immigration system is not broken. Now, that may shock you, but understand that what we are witnessing is by design, not by an inability to solve the problem, but by a desire to maintain this corrupt status quo. The immigration system delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor. And I assure you, I promise you, there is no compassion in exploiting human beings. As an immigration agent at the beginning of my career, I raided many venues of employment where illegal aliens were intentionally hired. And I can assure you that it was not an act of love that caused employers to hire people who should not have been employed or even present in the United States. It was about the ability to exploit them. We hear this garbage about the work Americans won't do. That's a lie. That's an absolute, abject, total, 100% fabrication. It is utter BS. The part of the sentence that those liars leave out is that the quote-unquote immigrants, we're now not talking about immigrants, but illegal aliens, and for clarity, the difference between an immigrant and an illegal alien is comparable to the difference between a house guest and a burglar. So the reason that the Americans won't do the jobs is at the wages or under the dangerous illegal working conditions that illegal aliens are subjected to. These dirtbag employers know that the likelihood is that no matter how badly they treat illegal aliens, they won't complain for fear of being deported. But it is a very remote fear by design. We have almost no immigration enforcement agents to enforce the laws from within the interior of the United States. And illegal aliens aren't only here illegally when they run the border, and most certainly those aliens are absolutely illegal the moment that their first toe touches American soil. But it's also the aliens who come legally and then get uh, into trouble become convicted for committing felonies, murder, rape, armed robbery, drug trafficking, gun running, vehicular manslaughter, drunk driving. All of these are charges that can get a lawful immigrant or a lawfully admitted immigrant or a non-immigrant, that is to say temporary visitor, deported from the United States. So what we're really talking about is a system that is supposed to make a clear distinction and in so doing honor our proud tradition of being a nation of immigrants by making clear distinctions between immigrants, non-immigrants, and illegal aliens. That's the distinction that Jimmy Carter began to whittle away at when his administration issued the edict that no immigration employee should ever refer to an illegal alien as an illegal alien, but we were told to call them first it was undocumented workers, and then it was undocumented immigrants. Let's get the word immigration out of the system. That's why um, ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, has a subdivision known as HSI, Homeland Security Investigations. What's missing from Homeland Security Investigations? The word immigration. When George W. Bush created ICE, he blended customs into the title and blended customs agents and other law enforcement entities, including Secret Service and the TSA, and all these other agencies into this agency 
that by itself had enough work to do, I can assure you. So we took immigration, we chopped it up, and we cast it aside, and almost everybody, with a couple of exceptions, almost everybody that George W. Bush put in positions of leadership at the local office level, at the district office level, had no immigration background, people at the top. This was not an accident. There were a few exceptions, but for the most part, people from customs were running immigration. When they testified before Congress, I called this the customization of immigration law enforcement. And let's be clear, the work of U.S. Customs was very important, but it had absolutely less than nothing to do with immigration. Customs used to be under the Treasury Department because their primary concern is the movement of goods and currency across our borders. It was about collecting tariffs, keeping out contraband, collecting duties. What does that have to do with immigration? Bupkis, nothing, nada, as in not a damn thing. This was a design. We have 45,000 TSA people, or perhaps more. They keep hiring. We have 6,000 ICE agents, and half of them or more aren't even doing immigration work. That's not the way you get immigration laws enforced, okay? The New York City Police Department has 37,000 cops. The U.S. military has well over a million men and women. Immigration enforcement has about 6,000 people, and fewer than half are actually doing immigration work. At some point, they all do immigration work, but if we look at the hours expended by the agents, agent hours, uh, fewer than half of the time has been allocated to immigration law enforcement. This is why you have a problem. It's not that the laws can't be, uh, there's something magical here. It's failure by design. And what blows my mind is what this winds up causing, even after the 9-11 Commission was so crystal clear about the need to make certain that we kept people out of the country who wanted to hurt us. I testified before a whole bunch of hearings, and shortly after 9-11, everybody was basically reading off the same sheet of music. Everybody understood the immigration system failed, and a bunch of thug terrorists, 19 of them, came into the United States and used airliners with passengers on board as de facto cruise missiles. And forget the 3,000 casualty number. By now, God only knows how many thousands of people are dead, how many more thousands are suffering. There's something called as a drugger bill, named after police officers. A drugger believed to be the first casualty of the toxins that he ingested when the towers collapsed in New York City. Over 10,000 people are being treated, and more are signing up. And on almost a weekly basis, at least, at least, it seems, one or more first responder or others who were sickened on 9-11 are passing away, and they have been suffering terribly for many years. That's the price we're paying for 9-11. On 9-11 by itself, we lost more people to 19 dirtbag terrorists than the United States military lost to the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. That's how critical it is. And this isn't the only attack. And the 9-11 Commission looked at a series of attacks that had been done by terrorists in the United States in the decade leading up to 9-11 and found that principally, primarily, the method of entry and embedding for the terrorists was immigration fraud coming in through international airports, violating our laws. They made it clear. They, the 9-11 Commission, convened to make sure it doesn't happen again. Immigration, first and foremost, took center stage. It wasn't a minor ancillary issue. Oh, yes, that would have been nice. No, no, no. 
they were crystal clear. And in fact, the 9-11 Commission staff, consisting of federal agents and government lawyers, specifically issued an official report called the 9-11 Commission Staff Report on Terrorist Travel. And it detailed, it detailed the various ways that terrorists gain entry into the United States and hide among us as they go about deadly preparations. First and foremost, it was about three issues, immigration, immigration, immigration. I could keep repeating the word immigration all night long because that was the number one key absolute issue. Immigration, 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 immigration. That's what failed. And now you have crooks, liars, thieves, and wackaloons saying, oh, let's get rid of immigration law enforcement. Let's invite in the terrorists. God knows we haven't killed enough Americans yet. Let's get in more drugs. We only lost 70,000 people to opiates last year. How many more people were killed when people higher than a kite on drugs got into a motor vehicle and mowed people down? How many people have been killed by gang violence, gangs being fueled and funded by what? Primarily drugs, crimes of violence, and prostitution, often of children. So let's bring in more narcotics. And you know what? The demand for the drugs isn't high enough. Oh, no, no, it's certainly not high enough. So let's legalize marijuana so we can get more people to think that the solution to their problem is to get stoned. And then it's easy to take the jump from pot to cocaine or heroin or crack or meth. In my life, in my life, I never could have imagined that our country would be led by a bunch of lunatics and betrayers of our nation and our citizens. The loons, ladies and gentlemen, are running the asylum. There is no other way to describe it. There is no compromise here. Compromise here is compromising national security, public safety, public health, and the future of Americans. There's a program called Vice. It's a news program. It leans way to the left. They just did a program about jobs. And they talked about how computers and artificial intelligence are taking more and more jobs. And yes, in some cases, the technology is creating jobs. But if you have a balance sheet, we're losing jobs. So, of course, what do we do? We entice more people to come here to take jobs that aren't even going to exist in another few years. But not one word in that entire news broadcast on Vice about jobs dealt with the importation of more foreign workers and the number of new jobs that we're creating each and every year. And it was amazing because they started out the program by talking about how when you meet a child, you go up to an 8- or a 10-year-old child, what's one of the first questions you're likely to ask the child? Think about it. What do you plan to do when you grow up? I guess today the average American kid should say, I plan to be unemployed. Because that's what's happening. I plan to be unemployed. I plan to be homeless, perhaps. I plan to live in squalor and poverty. That's where America is being pushed, pushed by globalists who have such an insatiable appetite for wealth that I compare them to a cancer that has an insatiable appetite for nutrients. If you know anything about cancer, and tragically, I I lost um, three very important people in my life. Uh, to cancer, my my parents when I was in college, my first wife 33 years ago uh, were coming up on the anniversary of her passing away when she was 33 Uh, and I learned an awful lot about cancer and I studied 
the issue when I worked in a medical library on campus trying to support myself when I was, uh, when my dad had passed away. And I used to attend all these conferences uh, at the medical library where I worked at a hospital while I was going to college. And the doctors were very accommodating. They let me sit on on the conferences. And I've continued reading and studying and trying to learn as much as I can about a host of issues, not just immigration. We really have to be educated about a whole variety of issues, folks, because this isn't just academic curiosity. It's about what the politicians are doing, whether the issue is climate change or health care. We need to be smart. We need to know when we're being lied to, which is almost any time these politicians open their mouths. I mean, it's just incredible. I, I have never seen a bigger bunch of charlatans and con artists in positions of authority in our country than we have today. I have no use for 90% of them, maybe 95%, maybe 99%. I've never seen this. Cancer, one of its tactics, if you will, is to secrete hormones that cause the body of its victim to envelop a tumor with blood vessels so it can bathe in nutrients. And so, in a manner of speaking, the cancer, at least for a while, becomes the most successful organ in its victim's body, growing quickly and wildly, nourishing itself by starving off the healthy tissue. And it's very successful until it kills its victim, and then that cancerous tumor dies along with its victim. The globalists have an insatiable appetite for wealth, and they are willing to destroy the lives of as many people as it takes push enough people into poverty, they don't care. You know, Most people are happy to have a roof over their head, a refrigerator filled with food, and a couple of nice suits hanging in the closet, maybe a car in the driveway with a full tank of gas. These bums need mansions sprinkled all over the world, and they need to be able to do whatever they can to acquire more power, more money, more wealth, more whatever, and without stopping to think the impact it has on the average person who just wants to be able to feed themselves and their family and maybe, maybe go on a vacation for a week. The purchasing power of the average American is in the tank. Real estate is going through the roof because we keep on importing more people who need more housing. Even as the price of housing goes up, the wages of the average worker is being suppressed or even reduced. So you wind up with homelessness. Think how that impacts children. Think how that impacts children. It also impacts public health. You have to be living under a rock or in a cave with no electricity and no Wi-Fi to not be aware of this accelerating measles outbreak around the United States. And it's remarkable because Ed Day, the county executive for uh, Rockland County in New York State, just north of, of Westchester in New York City, um, the county executive is essentially the equivalent of a mayor. And he declared an emergency and wanted to quarantine people and wanted to fine people if they went out in public. And a judge said, oh, we'll have to consider whether this is really that level of an emergency. You see a pattern here? There's no crisis on the border and there's no crisis with the measles epidemic. And whether you know it or not, according to published reports, 90% of unvaccinated people who come into contact with someone who has the measles will catch it. And measles can be devastating, especially to children. It can be deadly. It can cause blindness. It can cause birth defects. It could be catastrophic. It's not some minor disease. And what's so remarkable was that about 20 years ago, 
uh, around 2000, the United States said that we had vanquished measles. It's gone. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to see here, folks. Measles is no longer a problem. Incredible success story. Now, measles doesn't come back from the dead. It's not Freddy Krueger. And now we have a measles outbreak. And initially they were saying, well, some Orthodox Jews came back from Israel. They had it. This is how it happened because they weren't vaccinated. Let's just stop. There's nothing in Judaism, and I've written about this for Front Page magazine, and I would suggest strongly that you read my articles at Front Page, and not just my articles. I'm very proud to work uh, as, as a contributor to Front Page magazine. It's sponsored by the David Horowitz Freedom Center. But I wrote about this before, and, and, and let's look at what's going on right now. One of the problems that the media won't discuss, because Ed Day was on CBS radio, and I tried to find it in the news, and it was nowhere to be found, called on the federal government and said, you have got to start to demand that when people from overseas come to the United States, they must provide evidence that they were inoculated against measles. That's reasonable. It's legal. In fact, the immigration laws uh, contain grounds for exclusion. Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1182, indicates grounds for exclusion. And there is a health concern. Remember, Ellis Island was a quarantine station. Okay? At the time that it was completed, Ellis Island constituted the biggest hospital network in the United States. Uh, it was a bunch of buildings. I believe there were 22 buildings. There's a wonderful documentary about Ellis Island. And it wasn't the idyllic uh, resort that the open borders anarchists would have you believe. Oh, I wish we brought back Ellis Island. Let me tell you, if we reopened Ellis Island, the ACLU would get a speeding ticket rushing into court to try to shut it down. Families were unceremoniously separated. When Ellis Island was opened, there were no vaccines. We had no antibiotics. Nobody knew anything about anything about communicable diseases. But what they did know is that a relatively minor infection could kill thousands of people. So Ellis Island was built on an artificial island. I think I may have mentioned it the last time that I did my program. And the artificial island was created out of the rocks and debris that were tunneled out of New York to create the New York City subway system over 100 years ago, which is why the subway system is in such trouble. It's ancient by comparison with the metro in Washington and elsewhere. I mean, it's really ancient. It's rickety and falling apart faster than they can put it back together. So they took all the rocks and all the rubble and all that stuff, and they built an island and built this hospital complex on what was Ellis Island. And this is where anybody and everybody who sought to enter the United States had to pass on the East Coast. Uh, you had Devil, uh, no, it was Angel Island, <laughs> Angel Island on the West Coast. The idea was not to allow people to gain entry onto the mainland of the United States until doctors could examine them and we could be as certain as possible that the people that we were letting into the country could support themselves and didn't pose a threat to public safety or public health. That's what the immigration laws are about. That's this tradition of the uh, American um, being the country of immigrants, the nation built by immigrants. These were immigrants who all had to undergo a very serious, detailed, careful inspection at Ellis Island and similar facilities. They didn't have a problem with catch and release. If you tried to get off the island by yourself, uh, you would become fish food. You would drown. Okay? Nobody walked off Ellis Island and say, oh, I'll be back. See ya. No. If you wanted to get from Ellis Island to the mainland, 
the government ran a ferry that brought you. And if you weren't supposed to be on the mainland, you didn't get on the ferry. It was very simple. It was very tightly controlled. It was 100% success in terms of controlling who got to the country. Nation of immigrants that got here on a boat, on a boat from Ellis Island. That's how you came if the government gave you the stamp of approval, literally. Okay? And one of the grounds for exclusion, aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases, measles, and today it's aliens who have not been vaccinated against certain diseases, including measles. So there is nothing illegal about saying, okay, if you want to enter the United States, show proof of vaccination. Very simple. Public health and immigration used to work side by side. In fact, I worked with public health officials when I was an inspector at the beginning of my career at Kennedy International Airport. And in point of fact, I recall one day a couple coming into my inspections booth uh, were carrying a child who was semi or actually I would argue unconscious, period. The child had crusty eyes. He had crust all over his nose. I mean, this kid was sick. And I put my hand on his forehead. I thought I was going to singe my hand. You could have fried an egg. And I immediately motioned to my supervisor who ran over. He immediately called public health. They descended on the situation, and this eight-year, I guess, eight-year-old boy who they were bringing to the United States, it wasn't even their child. They were doing it for a friend or something. Um, They scooped up the family and immediately brought them to a hospital. Um, And to be blunt, I don't remember what the illness was, but it was super contagious. The kid was in critical condition, and I got a very nice letter from public health thanking me for doing my job as an immigration inspector preventing the entry of somebody with a dangerous disease. And I believe, if I remember correctly, that the public health officials did everything in their power to reach out to the passengers who had been on the airplane to tell them if they experienced certain symptoms, they were to immediately report those symptoms to their doctor, let them know, because epidemiologists wanted to track um, this illness. And that was part of my job as an inspector at the airport, part of the process of vetting and screening people at ports of entry. So you have people say, we're going to fine you. If you dare allow your child out in the public um, and that child hasn't been vaccinated, we're going to hit you with a $1,000 fine. Now think about this. They're talking about excluding children from school if they haven't been vaccinated. Reasonable. But the word exclusion that was used in a newspaper article struck a resonant chord. Because under the immigration laws, there are grounds for exclusion. And one of the grounds, as I just mentioned, as enumerated, you can check this out, Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, aliens with dangerous communicable diseases or aliens who have not been vaccinated to protect against certain of those diseases, including measles. Aliens who enter without inspection are not screened. When the county executive in the piece that was reported earlier on CBS News said to the federal government, you need to make certain that when people come to America from other countries that they're vaccinated, you can't find it in any news report. I wonder why. Because that raises a very obvious question. How the hell do you know if someone who snuck into the country has a dangerous disease 
or was or was not vaccinated. You know, the open borders anarchists love to use the term undocumented. Oh, he's undocumented. He's missing that piece of paper, silly piece. It blew away in the wind. There was a hurricane and the paper blew away. The dog ate my homework and his document blew away. Who cares? It's a piece of paper. That's what they want you to believe. If you want to know if someone's a liar and as an agent, you really become fixated on trying to figure out whether someone's telling you the truth or not. When you're dealing with informants and you're putting undercover agents into dangerous positions, uh, I spent half my career doing narcotics investigations. I've been involved with terrorism investigations. The lives of all involved are on the line. A very close friend of mine, Everett Hatcher, DEA agent, American hero. He had also served in the Army in Vietnam. A great guy, one of my closest friends in law enforcement, was killed when the the dirtbag mobster that he was investigating, Gus Faraci, mistook him for an informant and shot him to death about three hours before I was with him. On that terrible day, I walked into my office of DEA intelligence. I was there for four years before I was promoted to senior special agent and assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. So on the day that Hatch died, um, I walked into my office, and there he is sitting behind my desk with his feet up. I said, what are you doing here? And of all the questions he could have asked me, he said, uh, how would you like to trade jobs? Neither of us could have imagined that this would be the last time we would ever be able to speak to each other. When you're dealing with informants and criminals and drugs, uh, it's dangerous. So you become very concerned about figuring out whether or not you can trust information that informants give you. There's a lot riding on it. The lives of your colleagues, your own life, uh, might hang in the balance. And one of the things you look for are people that keep changing the use of words or people who are hypocritical. They say one thing, do something else, or change their story according to the, the direction the wind is blowing. If you're dealing with someone like that, run for your life literally because that person can get you killed. So let's look at someone who can get you killed. Chuck Schumer runs around saying, oh, we need a law that says if, if, if you're a trespasser, you can go in, you're going to jail for five years because trespassing is dangerous. On his own website, he said it. And he even talked about a 16-year-old boy. And he described him as a 16-year-old boy who had climbed the Trade Center when it was under construction. He wrote this thing. I think it was 2014, 2015. And he said, this is so dangerous. You have to also worry about foreign people because in this era of international terrorism, people who trespass can pose a serious threat. So we need a federal crime that would make it a five-year felony to discourage people from doing such a dangerous thing. You know, I think Schumer's right. But the same Chuck Schumer says that aliens who enter the United States without inspection, and at a minimum, I would argue that you could call that trespassing. But under Schumer's brilliance, he says, oh, they're entitled to U.S. citizenship. But it's not just Schumer. It's every Democrat that I've seen, and not just in Congress, sanctuary cities and sanctuary states, all this insanity, and that number keeps climbing. More and more cities, oh, we're going to ignore the immigration laws. We're going to ignore the. How about ignoring uh, 1182, where it deals with people with dangerous communicable diseases? So when Ed Day, the county executive, said, you know, the federal government needs to step up and needs to start to require that people bring proof of vaccination, and we did that in the past. There were outbreaks of smallpox and other diseases. We would ask for, and if we didn't get it, these people were, could have been confined. 
could have been denied entry. You see, aliens have no inherent right to enter the United States. Only citizens have to be admitted into the United States, which raises an interesting point. If we have time today, I'll get to it. If not, I'll bring it up at another time. But aliens don't have an inherent right to enter the country. Aliens have to prove to the satisfaction of the CBP, Customs and Border Protection Inspector, that they don't belong to one or more categories of aliens who are supposed to be excluded. And that includes criminals and spies and terrorists and people who don't have the money to support themselves or would likely work illegally, thereby displacing Americans. And we also get to the public health issue, you see. That's why this inspections process isn't just a matter of documentation. There was a time when MSNBC uh, had me on regularly, where I might even do three or four or five appearances in one day at MSNBC. Hard to believe in terms of where they've gone since then. And I remember debating this woman, and this was a few years after 9-11, and she kept saying, we don't call them illegal aliens, Mr. Cutler. They're undocumented. They're undocumented. And I said to her, I said, you know, that's interesting. Why don't we call them undocumented? Because I love that word. And she was kind of taken aback, and she said, what do you mean? And the cameras are rolling. This is very funny. I, have, I was having a good time. I used to love to debate back in high school and college. I've been doing this since I was 14. I said undocumented means that they don't have any paperwork that attests to their true identity. When you get on an airplane, you need to show them documentation. And they were at the time debating the Real ID Act because the 9-11 Commission found that in the aggregate, 19 terrorists used over 360 false names or variations of false names as a means of hiding in plain sight. So they would get on an airplane under one name and they would rent a hotel room under another name and they'd rent their car. And the whole idea was you didn't have a steady stream to follow where they were going and what they were doing and so forth because they kept changing identities. You see, this is very dangerous. That's why when police arrest someone, I, those of you not familiar with law enforcement, we always associate someone being arrested with a couple of things. The person being frisked, the person being handcuffed, the person being taken to whether it's police headquarters, if it's the police, or, 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 or a federal office building, if it's the FBI or INS or DEA or ATF. They go in and they're fingerprinted and they're photographed. Why are they fingerprinted and photographed? To identify who they are because we know that bad guys always lie about their identities. So this was a way of figuring out who we had in custody. Because most bad guys have long rap sheets with lots and lots of names. I remember arresting some people where they had 20 or 30 fake names that were attributable to the one person. Bad guys change identities the way chameleons change color in order to hide in plain sight uh, so they can go about whatever it is they consider their business, which usually means robbing, robbing or, or committing assault or other crimes. So they use multiple names to get away from the police. And it's like a smuggler who drags branches behind him in the desert to cover his footprints or her footprints. That's why you drag it behind you so no one can follow footprints. So that's what they do with multiple false identities. I said, so if you're going to say these people are undocumented, it means they either don't have or don't want you to see the identity documents that would verify who they really are. I said, so anybody who's quote unquote undocumented has to be seen as presenting a clear and immediate threat to national security and public safety. So I said, young lady, I'm with you. We're going to call them undocumented. And as you might imagine, she freaked out, didn't know what to say. 
and she just kept on stumbling and muttering throughout the balance of this little five-minute debate that we were doing. It didn't take, I don't think, 48 hours. Maybe it was 24 hours. The Bush administration, both parties, folks, not one or the other, both, and the open borders crowd and the ACLU immediately came up with a new name. I kid you not. They started to refer to illegal aliens as being unauthorized. Simon says, but Simon didn't say, so they're unauthorized immigrants. Think about that. Unauthorized. Why? Because I called them on the use of undocumented. So let's look at the word undocumented now. You have Ed Day, the county in Rockland, where they're having a a huge outbreak of measles, says we want or he wants the federal government to check vaccination records of everybody coming into the United States. Folks, that record constitutes documentation. Aliens who have no documentation don't only not have passports, I can promise you they have no vaccination or health records that can determine whether or not they pose a threat because of this deadly measles epidemic that is spreading like wildfire from coast to coast and border to border. So when you hear the word undocumented, no health record, no identity, we have no idea who the hell these people are. And we're supposed to welcome them into our homes and our hearts. They're undocumented. They're missing a piece of paper. Yes, the piece of paper they're probably missing is the vaccination record along with their damn passports. And what's remarkable is that New York State is basically a sanctuary state. Los Angeles just issued an order quarantining people and telling them, stay off college campuses if you haven't been vaccinated. Wait a minute. How does that apply to illegal aliens? We have no idea who they are. They're undocumented. No vaccination record. They're floating around L.A. They're floating around San Francisco, floating around California and New York and every other sanctuary city and every other sanctuary state. And the other side will say, oh, my God, you're a xenophobe. When I testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee, the late Arlen Specter was uh, at that hearing. And I believe he was chairing the, the hearing and he introduced me. But before he introduced me, he said that people who had concerns about border security suffered from exophobia. I kid you not, exophobia. And I almost broke up laughing as he said it because I thought that perhaps the senator thought I was afraid of the letter X. I thought we were back on Sesame Street. Oh, Mike Cutler's afraid of the letter X. No, he, he then corrected himself and said xenophobia. Is it really xenophobic to be concerned that people are entering the country who might be involved with criminal activity, terrorist activities, looking to displace American workers or are suffering from a dangerous communicable disease. Children's lives are on the line. Measles can cause a child to suffer birth defects, and there's no way of curing birth defects. There's no way of fixing a child who becomes blind, God forbid, because he or she was exposed to the measles virus when in the mother's womb or when they were born shortly thereafter. 
the consequences can be devastating. This isn't xenophobia. And you know what? If people want to call me names, I'm from Brooklyn. We're tougher than that. Every person in every town and city ought to be going to town hall meetings and demanding to know how sanctuary policies can be justified when these city officials and state officials are attempting to quarantine Americans, forcing them out of the public square if they haven't been inoculated, but we have no bloody way of knowing who the hell's been inoculated when they run the border illegally. You have got to roll up your sleeves and get involved. You have got to make these people accountable. Children are being put in a very dangerous situation because the politicians don't care. They don't care. I don't care what they're saying about quarantining Americans. How about making sure you're not permitting people into the country who carry the disease? So you can quarantine every child in the United States who hasn't been inoculated, but all it takes is a handful of illegals coming across the border who haven't been inoculated. Many of these people, by the way, have never seen a doctor in their lives or taken a shot. It's not a stretch to say they're going to come in, and we've seen other diseases that we've never even seen in America spring up, and there have been reports about thousands of these aliens and these so-called migrant caravans, migrant caravan, my backside. Okay, this is a swarm of aspiring illegal aliens, but euphemistically, they're a caravan of migrants. Give me a break. I was born on a Wednesday, not last Wednesday. And thousands have been found to be sick. And when a couple of children died in ICE custody or CBP custody, actually not ICE custody, but CBP custody, Customs and Border Protection, all the screaming, oh, my God, three children died. Three children died. How could this happen? Those children may well have been ill and came here dying and died when they were taken into custody. I'm not 100% certain what the circumstances were, but that's a potential situation that was never discussed by the, by the crazy media. Okay? So please understand that what we are doing with open borders undermines public health, endangers everybody, and especially American children. With all this emphasize on, oh, these poor children, understand what we're dealing with. I want to turn my attention to an article that I I just wrote for Front Page magazine. It was published on uh, April 23rd. And and, and this is just astonishing. The the story is, I'll I'll read you the title, Illegal Aliens Served in the U.S. Navy and the U.S. Border Patrol. So we have an illegal alien from Mexico who, um, his name, by the way, was Marco de la Garza Jr. We think that's his name. Who knows? Because he somehow got his hands on a false U.S. birth certificate. Um, Someone had pointed out that the parents had provided it. He thought that's who he was. I have no idea. But here's the disturbing story. This individual, and he may well be a nice guy. Maybe he really loves America. I have no idea. But, you know, we hear about all the work that the illegals do that the americans won't do goes to work for the u.s navy joins the navy actually doesn't work for the navy joins the navy he had to have been vetted carefully because guess where he worked in the u.s navy he was a crew member of a nuclear submarine let me repeat this 
We have an illegal alien using a bogus U.S. birth certificate who enlisted in the Navy and was assigned to serve on a United States Navy nuclear submarine, one of the most sensitive um, resources that we have in the arsenal. And I, I wrote in my piece, if you remember, just a couple of years ago, an American sailor on a U.S. submarine took a picture on the sub, nothing, you know, sensitive, classified. But the idea is the sub itself is considered so sensitive that because this sailor took a picture and sent it to a friend or a family member, he went to jail. It was President Trump who pardoned him. But he's done. His naval career is finished. He took a picture on a nuclear sub. Here you have an illegal alien serving on a nuclear sub. Gets honorably discharged, goes to work for the U.S. Border Patrol, and then ultimately applies for United States passport. Think of all the times that he made false claims to being an American citizen. He was charged with two crimes, and the federal judge looked at the seriousness of the situation and gave him a suspended sentence. Again, he may have been a good guy. Maybe he was trying to to do the right thing. I, I have no idea what was going on. But what I do know is that the system that could have failed multiple times needs to be changed. Now, what's also very interesting, uh, I subscribe to a number of websites that uh, provide information about the federal government, the pension system, federal employment, military, you name it. Because to do what I do, um, you know, I don't just get on this program every uh, Friday and spew nonsense. It's got to be fact-based. And that takes lots of ongoing research as a matter of routine. I kind of sort of live on my computer some days. Well, apparently now the Trump administration is taking this hodgepodge system of uh, issuing security clearances and doing the background investigations and putting it purely under the Department of Defense. Perhaps this would be a good step in the right direction, but I also can't help but observe that DOD, the Navy, gave this guy a security clearance. So if Congress really wants to hold meaningful hearings, if these nitwits in the House really want to look for what's wrong, maybe they ought to be holding a hearing about the way that we um, take care of doing security clearances. Now, understand the security clearance is not a background check. Background check is nothing. You run fingerprints in a name, and if the name doesn't show up and the fingerprints don't show up, you get a good, clean bill of health. A background investigation, a security clearance, is the administrative equivalent of going to the proctologist. It's time-consuming. It's costly. It's supposed to be in-depth. It takes weeks or months. So for this guy to deceive numerous background investigations should give everybody cause for pause. So something else for you to realize. Some people say, well, if we get those illegals out of the shadows, we'll know who they are. Maybe not. Maybe not. And, and so this, again, is something that is very disconcerting. Uh, something. Now, there's another uh, case that has given me uh, some joy. There was, if you remember, and I wrote about it for Front Page Magazine, a judge and a court officer who became aware that a defendant in court was, was the target of an ICE investigation, that there were ICE agents who were going to arrest the individual when his day in court was done with and seek his removal from the United States. They spirited him out of the courtroom, 
so that ICE was unable to make that arrest that day. Well, it has now been reported that the judge and the court officer have been indicted on federal charges of obstructing ICE. And that should be the good news of the day. I am hopeful that this judge winds up finding out a little bit more about the criminal justice system from the inside. If this judge gets convicted, I personally am going to go out and celebrate. But the judge needs serious jail time. You know, talk about a a, a jailhouse lawyer. Imagine the good that this judge can do behind bars for a lengthy sentence and be disbarred and be done with the bench. It is time for the madness to stop. Uh, You know, in a piece I wrote earlier, I compared that judge to Judge Dredd. If you saw Sylvester Stallone, where in his deep voice, he says, I am the law. Well, apparently this nitwitted judge thought she was the law. Maybe not. Maybe not. I wonder how well she sleeps now, knowing that she may have to face a different judge in a federal courthouse. Sometimes a little payback is a good thing. These judges don't write the law. They are supposed to be officers of the court, as are the lawyers. They're supposed to look at the law and apply it, not break it, not break it. So a fast story that I think needs mentioning, Uh, and I may have mentioned it before, but I, I wanted to think about the nonsense that we're hearing from the open borders crowd, the anarchists. They're not pro immigrant, by the way. Oh, this guy is pro immigrant. Yes, he wants anarchy. How swell. No, it's not pro immigrant versus anti immigrant. It's pro enforcement versus anarchist. So the, the, the story that was on uh, at I 24 on a program that uh, airs in Turkey, uh, we used the, uh, rather, it wasn't I 24 news. Let me be clear. I-24 doesn't do this sort of thing. It was T, uh, TRT News from Turkey, but they use a, a common studio. So I, I was up there, and we did the interview, and, and stuff got edited, but I was able to get some of my uh, positions out there, but not all. Very frustrating, very frustrating, because I was asked about how it is that American children born to illegal aliens are being separated from their parents And look at the damage and how traumatic it is for the children. We're not just talking now about the children being supposedly separated on the border by mean ICE agents or CBP agents, okay? This is now, these these poor kids are born in America. They're American citizens, and their parents are deported. What are they going to do? They wind up in child welfare. They wind up in child welfare. Oh, my gosh. How could America be so evil? You see, this is the propaganda being spewed around the world about our country and the American kids today aren't being taught the value and wonder of our country. That's not to say that America does everything right. There's lots of stuff we do wrong, but I'll put America's record up against any other country on this planet. So evil America takes these kids and separates them from the parents. That's the story here. Well, here's the answer. Number one, If these children weren't given citizenship at birth and no other country would give citizenship to the children of illegal aliens, then they could easily be deported with their parents back to the home country, you see, because they wouldn't be Americans. That's one way of solving the problem, and it's something that I'm an advocate for. That's number one. Item number two on the list. These children are dual nationals. What does that mean? 
the parents can take that child, their child, and bring them back to their home country with them. They're not being separated by the U.S. government. That's another one of the lies that the anarchists and the globalists around the world tell. Oh, evil America. They're taking the kid from the parent. What a bunch of bums the Americans are. No, no, no. The parent has every right to say, this is my five-year-old. This is my 12-year-old. I'm taking him. I'm taking her with me on the airplane. And I'm sure the U.S. government would probably even be willing to pay, help pay for the ticket. Now, we don't have the authority to deport an American. Let's be clear. So we come back again to the 14th Amendment. Now, when I did the debate on that program, I said, you know, this whole business about children, we, we call them anchor babies, or some people do. It's not a very flattering term. But people come to America to have children, and he couldn't believe it. So that that child, when they turn 21, could then file a petition so that the parent gets a green card. So look no further than the many cases of what's known as birth tourism, where people come to the United States, and it's not just from Mexico, folks. It's from China. It's from Russia. It's from elsewhere. And they have a child, and they understand that in 21 years, especially if we're dealing with a relatively young woman, she's 25 years old. So that means when she's in her mid-40s, she's going to be able to come to America on a green card. So that child is, is an asset, you see. The child guarantees her a green card down the road. And one of the suggestions I had made to, to members of Congress back when I was doing hearings is that maybe we at least need to change that part. You know, maybe it's going to be difficult to stop the interpretation of the 14th Amendment that, that provides citizenship for illegal aliens, but certainly we ought to be able to bring an end to this crazy notion that a child born to an illegal alien mother 21 years after that birth could then petition to have that mother come to the United States on a green card. End that policy, you turn off the magnet for the anchor child, you see. But that's not what they wanted to hear on the program because the emphasis was America is separating the family. And I said, no, it's a willful decision. So the host of the program immediately said, well, Mr. Cutler, do you know what kind of countries these people come from? Would you want that child to go back to such a, or go, go to such a terrible country? I said, but the child can, and that's the point. The premise of your program is that children are being separated by the U.S. government, when in reality it's the child's parent who abandons the child in the United States, and that's the part of the story you're refusing to tell your audience. You see, we have got to push back against the lies and the propaganda, the fake news, this Orwellian nonsense. Uh, I'm frequently a guest on Graham Ledger's program over at One American News. I was on with him a week ago. Love doing the show. Uh, The Daily Ledger, I suggest you check it out. I think he does a great job. But one thing I take issue with, when he starts his program, he starts by saying a bunch of stuff, and it includes this phrase, The doors to the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in. So sit back and relax and enjoy this edition of the Daily Ledger or however it is he says it. Well, it's not the PC police that's really trying to get in. It's the thought police. Again, I, I keep urging people, read 1984. This is about the manipulation of language so that we can control the thoughts that the people have. We control the understanding people have because we think with words 
And when we change the words, we change the understanding of the issues. And that goes back to George Orwell's 1984 Orwellian newspeak, if you will. The Ministry of Truth was really where all the propaganda was cooked up and served out to the masses. And that seems to be the mainstream media these days. Uh, Understand where we're at. We're in a dangerous era. And part of the risks that we are now facing, adding to everything else, and we're seeing it graphically, is the public health components of immigration. There is no way that any sanctuary city can justify harboring illegal aliens who evaded the vetting process at ports of entry, while at the same time telling American citizens, we're going to quarantine you for fear that you may be carrying a contagious, dangerous disease known as measles. It doesn't compute. We have got to be consistent. As I said to this wonderful group of our fellow Americans in Pennsylvania last night, no rational person would get on board an airplane if they saw people sneak past TSA at the airport. Why, then, are we being forced to live among millions of people who snuck past a very similar and similarly serious vetting process that is conducted at ports of entry by the employees of Customs and Border Protection. That process is designed to protect us from criminals and spies and terrorists and aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. The idea that sanctuary cities would impose restrictions and exclude American kids from school for fear that they would be harboring a disease while harboring illegal aliens who may be harboring a serious disease is insane. If there are town hall meetings, folks, I urge you, go to those town hall meetings. Use your smartphones. Take videos. Put them on the Internet. Ask that question. If you're so concerned about people with diseases wandering amongst us in public places, shouldn't we then be concerned about aliens who entered the United States without vetting who have no records to attest to whether or not they've been inoculated or even to attest to who in the world they are. These are rational, reasonable questions, and we must ask those questions. And please remember to get it on your smartphone so that you have a record of the nonsense that these uh, alleged leaders will spew at those town hall meetings. And by the way, any politician who refuses to conduct an open town hall meeting needs to be voted out of office. It's the equivalent, that town hall meeting, of going to a meeting called by your boss. Remember, we are their boss. Uh, And by the way, last point, don't ever allow them to say, well, just give us a piece of paper with your question, and then we'll decide whether or not to read the question. That's censorship, and I can promise you that you'll never see your questions answered. Insist on an open microphone in an open forum. Please get involved, folks. I'm counting on you because democracy certainly is not a spectator sport. I thank you for spending this past hour with me. I hope you find it helpful. If you did, please tell as many of your friends about my website, michaelcutler.net, my articles at frontpagemag.com, and certainly tell them about my program. Have a great weekend. See you next week.